Well, thank you for uh, the opportunity to speak to you. Uh, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I just felt when I saw this group of people over here. Psalm 127 says, children and grandchildren are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Uh, I've been rewarded. Uh, I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable today, but not because uh, I remember two weeks ago, I believe it was two weeks ago when Cloy spoke, he said, he talked about how he had been transformed from someone who could not get up in front of a crowd and speak. And uh, that is my story also. There was a time when I would have frozen if uh, someone asked me to do this. But by the grace of God, he has worked me through that. He has given me opportunities in my life to talk about things that I know, which gave me the confidence for the next time speak a little bit more about what I know. And so the reason I'm a little overwhelmed today is because I just uh, yesterday a word was given to me by one of the speakers. Obviously they didn't know they were giving me a word, but they did. And he, he said, God repeatedly tells us to not be afraid. Maybe it's because he has his, he's asking us to do something scary. Think about that for a minute. Has God ever asked you to do something scary? Has he ever asked you to step out? And maybe you said yes. I hope you did. But if you're like me, there's been many times when I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to do that. But so today, I'm going to say yes. And it kind of builds up. For me, any other time I've spoken, on a Sunday or a Wednesday night, it's usually very spontaneous for me. And I've had two weeks now to mull over this. And, and that's difficult for me because that's not the way I operate. So I've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. And, and, and if there's one thing I want to emphasize to us today, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God to those who are being saved. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. He is foolishness to those who are perishing. Well, we, we are being saved. He is the power of God for us unto salvation. He points to Jesus. He always points to Jesus. When you pray to the Holy Spirit, you're praying to Jesus. When you say that Christ lives in you, it's because the Holy Spirit lives in you. We need to, there's times when we need to delineate the, the three persons of the Trinity. John 17 talks so often about the oneness. John says the Father and I, or Jesus says, the Father and I are one, and we want you to be one with us. He, unity is everything to the Lord. And so he's asked me to give a word that's based a lot on what Cloyce talked about, about the don't let your past make you say no when the Holy Spirit gives you a direction. Do not let your past 
hold you back. So I'm going to, the word, I'm going to incorporate this word that I feel the Lord is giving. I'm going to incorporate it with some verses that, that uh, back it up. Psalm 139, uh, four, 4 through 8. Oh, do I have the wrong ones, Matt? No, it's 7. Yeah, 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I send it to heaven, you are there. I can make my bed in hell. Behold, you are there. I'll take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you but the night shines as the day. Then we go to, you see, you can't get away from God. So the darkness and the light are like the same to God. Darkness doesn't cut his eyes off. He's always there. Then we go to so, uh, Jeremiah 23, 23, 24. Uh, am I God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord. And lastly, Ecclesiastes 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all or man's duty. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. What I feel the word of the Lord is, maybe before I say it, I'll tell you that I've been there. I, some of you have maybe heard me say this, and I apologize if it's redundant, but there was a time about three years ago, I'm a cattle farmer, and the cattle, there was a calf and a cow which did not unite. The mother would not take the calf. And so I'm trying to catch it, because in, in my place, they're born out in the pasture. They're not, they're not confined. I can't just take them. So I'm going after this calf to catch it so that I can feed it. And I'm, I'm, I'm following it. As I get near it, it runs from me. And it, it ran down in the ravine, and I'm up on top of the ravine, and I'll never forget it. I, uh, I looked down at that calf, and I said, oh, if you just stop running, I'm here to help you. And in that instant, the Lord said, that's you. It was, but we know the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. What he said was not condemning it was convicting, and I knew that I was running, hiding. But so the word is: Are any of you hiding from God? Not hiding in the sense of, or running in the sense of totally running away from Him. But are you hiding? 
in the sense of when you're you don't want to be noticed God is saying I want you just like the, the World War II poster they had Uncle Sam I want you I want you God it's God pointing uh, to you and saying I want you I have something for you to do you're saying well maybe if I stand in the back he won't see me maybe he won't ask me to do what I don't want to do what I'm not feeling qualified to do it's not even so much that you don't want to do it you just don't feel you can do it because we, we, we all have our reasons maybe it's the past as Clayce talked about what did I do in the past that disqualifies me? The Lord says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The Lord is merciful. He wants to bring you close. He has a task for you. He wants you to do what he will enable you to do. He's not asking you to do something. Maybe he is asking you to do something you can't do in your own strength. But he will give you the strength to do it. So the word is, are you hiding from God in that sense? Are you running from God in that sense of just not wanting him to pick you out and ask you to do something? What has God asked you to do that you have been unwilling to do for whatever reason. The past is such a hurdle. But as Doug talked about, your sins, my sins, are forgiven. Clay's talked about the love. Why don't we, why can't we believe that God loves us? A lot of times it's because of the past. Even though the cross is the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate display of God's love. There can be no mistake he loves us. He's displayed it to us. But we choose, no, no, I shouldn't put it that way. The accuser chooses to hold it in front of us and keep reminding us of the failures we've had. And we've had, we've had many. So, the word for us today is don't hide from God. Answer, that's another thing we heard yesterday. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, say, yes, I'm going to step out. I'm going to take a chance. I'm a sports fan. Sports analogies are great. There's a I remember a basketball game one time where I looked at both teams and I said, my team, my team should handle these guys so easily. But at the halftime, the score was 10 to 10. What, 10 to 10? 18 minutes of basketball, and you've scored 10 points? What happened? What's wrong? Somebody is not taking the lead. Does God want you to take the lead in something? You can choose not to shoot if you want, or you can choose to take the shot. You know, in baseball, as a batter, if you're successful 29 to 30% of the time, you're a hero. Right? Am I right? Any baseball fan knows that. If you're batting 300, <laughs> you got the box. So, we cannot shirk back from what God is asking us to do because we think we can only hit 30% of the time. I don't know what it is in basketball or shooting percentage. I'm not up on that. 
as to what is a good shooting percentage. But you don't make every basket. But you'll make no points if you never shoot. And so, the Lord, you know, think of the coach. I, I look at it this way in basketball. God the Father set up the rules. He said, in the game of life, this is how it's played. He's made some rules for us. Jesus comes along and he, he's the coach. He says, I'll be with you. And, and actually, here again is where Jesus and the Holy Spirit are so close together. The Holy Spirit will tell you when it is your opportunity to shoot. If you deny that, I'll guarantee one thing, you won't score a point. But if you shoot the ball, there's a chance you're going to make the basket. And maybe we just have to learn that 30% or 50% is good enough. Do we want to score? Do we want to add to the kingdom? Or do we just want to spectate? I, another word the Lord gave me, he said, I do not need a cheering section. I need players on the field. I need boots on the ground. We are not, none of us, not everyone's called to be a pastor or a teacher, that you're still a soldier, you're still a player. And if we don't accept what the Lord is asking us to do, we're not pleasing the Lord. There's a time to get past comfortable. There's a time to take the shot. You might make it, you might not, but you'll learn something from it and you'll be a better person for it. If, when you're on a team, you have, there's this team mentality, but each individual has to do, has to perform the task that's assigned to them to make the team whole. Doing something individually on a team is not counterproductive to the team, it's productive to the team. It builds the team. And if you're looking for someone else to do it, you're a spectator. So, I'm asking us to search our hearts. Uh, put up uh, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to look at we need to look at our hearts. Our hearts, the Bible tells us in some places, the heart is desperately wicked. The heart is the wellspring of life. Psalm 1914. Uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable or pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Our heart, the words of our mouth. When I, was, when I first came to know Jesus, the words of my mouth changed immediately. That was one thing I got from the Lord immediately. The cursing and the swearing stopped. 
And, and I was a construction worker at that time. So you can, uh, anybody that's been around a construction worker knows what goes on, I think, has a pretty good idea of the kind of language that's used in many cases. But the meditation of my heart, that's a different story. What is the meditation of my heart? Is it not what you think about? Is it not what captures your mind? And it has taken years to get my meditation, the meditation of my heart, correct. But again, if I don't think it's a problem, am I going to do anything about it? We have to see the need for the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in God's sight. Without it, you have this, if your heart isn't in the ball game, if you don't understand the rules of the game, which is, in this case, the heart, God, there's another thing I gained yesterday. God does not want to, uh, I better read it. <laughs> God does not want to manage my behavior. He wants to capture my heart. If he gets my heart, he's got my mind. He's got my behavior. You can't, you can legislate behavior, but it's always going to be broken. But if you get the heart, the soul of the person, the very core of a person's being, if you get it in line with, with God to make it pleasing in his sight, what you're doing is pleasing to him. He's captured your heart and your behavior becomes automatic. You don't have to think about, am I supposed to do this or am I not supposed to do that? Am I supposed to shoot or am I supposed to sit? No. We get our hearts right and we can shoot the ball. We can swing the bat. And we can... You can't hit a home run until you swing the bat. If you're just up there to walk, and in, in, in true baseball, <laughs> in true baseball language, sometimes a walk is okay, but by and large, you're up there to hit the ball. And if, if you choose to hope for a walk, you've missed the point. So have we done that? Do we do that? Do we do that as Christians? Do we say, Lord, I'm just happy that you died on the cross for me. You saved my soul. I'm going to heaven. I'm happy with that. Well, Ephesians 2.10 would tell us differently. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do, or that we should walk in them. This is what God wants from us. He didn't make us to just be comfortable with salvation, our personal salvation. He says, I have a job for you. I have an assignment for you. I have prepared it beforehand, before you were born. Tanya spoke last week about other parts of one, uh, Psalm 139 and, and about how he knows our thoughts before they even think them. And she said, he knows your thoughts right now. Right now. Everything you do, God knows. He fills the heaven and the earth. We can't get away from him. But sometimes we try to get away from him and say, I'm just happy back here. I'm just going to sit down back there and hope he doesn't notice me. 
Well, we can do that. But it's not what God wants from us. He wants us to perform the works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Another thing from yesterday, and by the way, uh, something like yesterday, we need, we need as Christians to take opportunities to grow wherever they come. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, seeking first the things of God is if you look at something that's been offered to you and you decide. Maybe I should go there. Maybe God's got something for me there. Or we can say, well, what's the difference? I don't need to know. I know enough. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm content. I'm comfortable. The glory of God is a, is a man or a woman fully alive. Fully alive. Not, not being anemic. Anemic is not fully alive. God didn't call us to be anemic. He called us for a task. He's given us things to do. And so it's our job then to find out what God wants me or us to do. Each one of us individually. And one of the things he wants us to do he wants us to gather regularly because we gain strength from one another. Yesterday, at the one session, they talked about giant redwoods, and they talked about he talked about the fact that they've checked this out. These redwoods, I, I don't know how big they get, but you know, you can drive a car through some of them, right? We all know about that. They're huge. And I've been through the redwood forests and they, they're so dense that light doesn't shine. I mean, you have to turn your car lights on. So what they experimented with it and they planted a tree, a redwood tree by itself. And now this is, I believe this is true. This is what he told me yesterday. So. But the tree did not last very long. Do you know why it didn't last very long? Because it's shallow rooted. And when it's standing all by itself, the wind can get at it. And what shortens its life is the elements, probably the wind, blows it over before, you know, how, I don't know how, how old, some of these trees are tremendously old. But the reason it, it, it needs to be in a dense population is because the roots are shallow, but they intertwine with one another. And they provide support for each other. And that's what we need. That's why, that's a reason why we gather together like this, like we are today. We gather together like that so we can support each other, give each other strength, give each other protection. And as Doug mentioned, so that we learn to disciple one another. Yes, discipling is so often thought of as bringing someone new in. And God has told, Jesus has told us that one of our tasks is to make disciples. But we need to disciple each other. We need to be here for each other. You need to come to church to be fed, but you need to be, come to church to feed someone else also. And if we just look at it as what we're getting out of it, we have only half the story. Going back to the basketball or, or any sport, practice. This is our practice field. We're at practice today. For what? Because the game is out there, out in the world. The game is in the world. Shell Lake Full Gospel has a sign, as you leave the church, over the door as you leave, it says, you are now entering the mission field. That's what we're here for. This is the practice field. 
This is where we learn what to do. We get instructions. We get strengthened by our neighbor, by our brother and sister. But the job is out there. It's not your job to come here on Sunday. It's your job to come here to get strengthened and to strengthen others so that the work of the Lord, the kingdom, preach. Jesus talks so often, go out and preach the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom. We have to get past our solitary uh, desire and, and satisfaction with our own salvation because that's not, that's not the end. Kleist talked about love, you know, that was his, how, how come we don't realize how much God loves us? Well, again, because of the past a lot of times, but the love of God is not the end of the matter, it is the beginning. Once we know we're loved, he's saying, you've got what you need now. You've got intimacy with me. You understand what I've done for you. Now I want you to take that love to the world and not keep it to yourself and say, oh, thank you, Lord. You've saved me. Well, that's a good thing to say. But don't let it stop there. That's only the beginning. The end is, what will you do with that love? Show it. Proclaim it. You got to be a player. You got to be a warrior. You got to be a soldier. That's what God wants from us. I think, I think the Lord is a little tired of spectators. Psalm 8, 4 through 8, I believe it is. I gave him so many verses, so they need a little time. Well, no, you got it, okay. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. He has given us dominion. When Jesus, when Jesus, or not, when God, well, I could say Jesus, you know, but when God created the earth, Genesis 1, 27 and 28, he told us, for God created man in, the, in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, that's a, that's a command, by the way. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We are the crown of creation. And if you don't see yourself that way, the devil tells you, don't take that shot. You might miss it. But God says, I've given you dominion. You are the crown of my creation. But when Jesus, or when, uh, when Satan deceived Adam, 
we lost, we as mankind lost that dominion. It was stolen from us. But Jesus came and redeemed the world. He didn't just redeem us, he redeemed the world. Nature is waiting for us, for us, because we have dominion. We are supposed to be the rulers of this earth. But if we don't know it, if we don't know we have that kind of authority, what do we do? We believe the lie of the accuser. We sit on our hands. I can't do anything about this. And to a large extent, many things we can't, we can't physically change. But we have to have the attitude that God has made us the rulers of the earth by the sacrifice of Jesus. He bought back our dominion. And he's waiting. He's waiting on us to walk in the authority that he has given us. And he has given us the ability to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. All, when, when Jesus left, he told his disciples to, make this, to heal the sick, cast out demons, proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, make disciples. But then he said, he had one stipulation, he said, wait. Wait until you receive power from on high. I think all of you know these, these stories. But the Holy Spirit had to come. And now the Holy Spirit is here. We don't have to wait anymore. If we have to wait, it's only for us to recognize the power and the authority that we have. That's the only thing to wait for, because it's here. And maybe we just have to learn about the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to see if we can do a little of that. A helper is sent. John 14, 16, and 17. I'm cheating today. <laughs> I have trouble reading. Uh, so I'm using technology. <clears throat> okay. Well, we got, uh, can we find that? <laughs> I'm sorry, I put her. There's so many verses I gave them. So I can try reading it. John 14, 16, and 17. If you have your Bibles, you can follow too. And I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's there. He's here. He's in us. We don't have to wait for him. We just have to discover him. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you, have, you are endued with power from on high. That happened. It's not something that's going to happen. It has happened. He has endued. He endued those disciples with the power. 
And then he gave it to us. We have the power to win the game. We have, we've got the players. If the players will come out on the court and take the shot, we've got the players to win the game. We don't have to get close. We don't have to lose by a point. We don't have to lose by five points. We can blow them out of the water if we take the shot. John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit points us to, the, to Jesus. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus says, he points to me. You're not, you're not taking anything away from Jesus by, by invoking the Holy Spirit. You're incorporating Jesus. You're putting the power of Jesus in. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He'll testify of Jesus. John 16, 13 through 15. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of me and declare it to you. God has it covered. We have the ability. We have the power. But we can, we can run around on the court, make it look good, make it look like we're trying, say the right things, but in our hearts, we're saying, I'm not going to take that shot. What if I don't make it? What if I don't make it? Then we, get, then we have to start dealing with our fears. Well, so what if you don't make it? You've tried. And the more you come to practice, and the more you go out and take the shots, you're going to get better at it. What do, you, what do you go to practice for? To improve. We need to improve. We're not going to do everything right. We're not going to hit a home run every time we swing the bat. We're not going to score the three-pointer every time we shoot. But sometime we will. And that's what God wants. He wants us to hit the mark sometimes. Because we're human. We can't. We can't make it all the time. But if our mind says, I'm not even going to try, because I'd rather see one of you guys out there do, do it. I'll let you. I'll let you take the shot. And I'll let you risk the embarrassment if that's what is holding you back. Whatever is holding you back, you've got to get past and say, it doesn't matter. God said, the Holy Spirit said, take the shot. Swing the bat. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38 Jesus, or, or how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus 
we look to Jesus. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. If we don't get, we're, we're called Bible Center, a full gospel church. We don't want half the gospel. We want the full gospel. We want to know that, yes, it's about Jesus. Absolutely, it's about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. They work together. The Holy Spirit only points to Jesus. We're not taking anything away from Jesus by calling on the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Mark, the book of Mark is so quick, he just goes right into it, talking about the life of Jesus. You know, Luke talks about the birth, and, and Matthew goes in genealogies. And, but Mark just goes right to the point, and he says, Jesus went to be baptized by John. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And then he says, and, and, and then the voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then it says, immediately, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted for 40 days. What was he? The Holy Spirit was saying, I've got to test him. I've got to prepare him. He's got to know where my power, where his power is coming from. We need to be tested. Why does God put us through things? For our own good. Yeah. Hebrews 12. Uh, that one's good, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, yeah, 5 and 6. 12, 5 and 6. This is good. This is about coming together, and maybe we'll come back to that. But yeah, 12, 5 and 6. I'm talking about why Jesus was put through what he, what he was put through. Why are you and I put through what we're put through? Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. From whom the Lord loves, he chastens. We're talking about love. Why does God loves us? He loves us enough to chasten us and scourges every son whom he receives. Is this a cakewalk? It's not a cakewalk. God says, I'm going to put you through some. I'm going to put you through some things. So that when you come out on the other side, when you come out of the 40 days in the wilderness, you understand the power you have. Jesus was prophesied to have the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11.2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is from Isaiah. This is before Jesus is born. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Don't you want that? Do you want the Spirit of wisdom and understanding? The Spirit of counsel and might. So, and also Isaiah 40. Oh, the Spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is so important. Isaiah 40, 41.2, 42.1. Yes. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. 
He brought his spirit upon Jesus so that he could include us. Now long, no longer is it just the Jews. It's we have been put in through the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, Isaiah 61, one through three, most of us are familiar with many points on this. This is where Jesus read this in his hometown and he got booted out because they finally said, he's saying he's God. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He came to turn things around. He came to give us glory for ashes. He came to change our garments. We owe so much to him. We owe him the, the debt. This is one thing we can do. We can't pay the debt. We can't, we can't earn our way to heaven, but we can follow his commands. He says, I don't know. He, uh, you will know I love you. Oh, I'm probably going to mess this one up, but in other words, if you obey his commandments, then you'll know that you'll, you'll know you're my disciple if you follow my commandments. Do we want to be a disciple of Jesus? A disciple, a player, a warrior, a soldier? Or do we want to be a spectator? And do we want, to, we want to watch any certain situation, a game, a small game in life, a situation where someone needs our help and we get this close, this close to victory, but we don't get the victory because we didn't take the shot. So there it is. This is what the Lord told me to tell you. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are part of God's family. It gives us, we carry his name. Anybody that's in a family carries the name. And we have privileges. The biggest privilege and the biggest advantage we have is the Holy Spirit. Because God, Jesus shares the Holy Spirit with us. And he gives us authority. His authority. We're his brothers and sisters. And he said, I have left the earth, but I want you, my brothers and sisters, to carry on. To heal the brokenhearted. To comfort those that need comfort, to reach out to the lost. This is what God wants from us. And let's, let's examine our hearts. Is there any wicked way in me? Let's seek the Lord at every opportunity. Put him, what part of first do we have trouble understanding? Seek ye first my kingdom kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. Put God where he belongs. Put God where he belongs. So uh, well that's the light part of my sermon so <laughs> uh, I guess 
I'm just going to wrap it up with that. I just want us to realize how much God loves us. He loves us enough to want to purify us. It says Jesus was perfected in his sufferings. It says that in Hebrews, somewhere in Hebrews. God, Jesus was perfected in suffering. We need to be willing to be perfected. We need to share in the sufferings of Christ. And that, that's a whole wide window. I, we're not, I'm talking about something as simple as the Lord says, I think you should do this. I think you should attend this event or I think you should attend church today. And you say, well, oh, you know, I just don't feel like it. Do you have a reason or do you have an excuse? Is it, is that suffering? You know, for us in America, a lot of times I think suffering is just not being able to do what I want to do. That's a pretty mild suffering, but for some of us that's a pretty big thing. I'd just rather not. I just don't feel like it. So I'm just going to stay home. What difference does it make? I'm going to heaven. I'm sorry. But that's... So I guess we'll close with that. I'll pray. Uh, No music today. (laughs) Uh, I think... Yeah. uh, I'm sorry, Karen. I didn't mean it that way. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I don't... So... Uh, what should I? What can I say here? If I've forgotten anything, the children of God, we need to make disciples. I I just feel so strongly that the Lord is saying at this time, we need to make disciples of one another. We need to be there for each other. We need to come together. These are difficult times. Uh, maybe we could uh, run that Hebrews 10, 20, 24, 25, or 23, 24. You guys, uh, can, you, can you do uh, uh, oh, the old hymn? Can you, or is this too? Uh, <laughs> how great thou art. There's a lot of old how, hymns. How great thou art. <laughs> how great thou art. You can do that. Uh, and let us consider one another. Consider one another. Are we helping one another? in order to stir up love and good works. God, I was, I was raised a Catholic. Good works was a bad word after I stepped out of the Catholic Church. But there are play, there's a place for good works. It's for what's your motive? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much, small, so much more as you see the day approaching. Look at the world, the day is approaching. There's no question, the day is approaching. Yesterday, we sang, How Great Thou Art. And I just feel, I just feel very strongly that this is the word of the Lord for us to finish this with. We serve a great God. He cares for us. He wants the best for us. He will scourge us. He will put us through trials. Don't be surprised. That's the plan. That's the game plan. He wants you to take the shot. He wants you to say, I'll do it, Lord. I'll step up. I'll make it happen as best as I can because I've got the power. The power lives in me, reigns in me. So, how great thou art. Oh, Lord God, we thank you. We do, Lord. Help us to see your majesty and your greatness, Lord. Help us to know that you are with us 
to really know that you are with us. We have nothing to fear. Do not be afraid, you tell us so often. Why? Because you are with us. And you, Lord, you made the universe with your fingers. You have done great things. No one, nothing is greater than you, Lord. You are our strength. You are our wisdom. You know all things. And you choose us to be your ambassadors. Help us, Lord, to be that. Help us to make disciples so that your kingdom can advance. Help us to step into the role that you have prepared for us in advance to do. You have set it all in place, Lord. Help us to get off the bench. Help us to take the shot. Help us to swing the bat. Help us to do that which you have enabled us to do. We are not disqualified. You have qualified us. No matter where we are, no matter what we've done in the past, you are there to help us, to guide us, to teach us, to lead us, to glorify us. There's no greater glory for God than to see a man who is whole. Help us to be whole through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.